Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, joined by a special guest host today. I have Zach Deluzio, who you might know from Twitter at ZJ Deluzio and from the Strickland, where we're actually on the Knicks Mail.bag podcast together. And we are breaking down the Knicks 138 to 134 double overtime victory over the Boston Celtics on national television in the first game of the season. Julius Randle, 35 points, Evan Fournier, 32, and as many clutch threes as he needed to completely pay for his contract in one game. So much great stuff to talk about, and we are going to get into it in just a second on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. Boom. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Again, I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. Also uh, going to be writing for the Knicks for Clutch Points this year. You can probably check those articles out right after this uh, if you want to go ahead and do that. And I'm joined by Zach Delizio of The Strickland, also on Twitter, at ZJ Delizio, where he does some great analysis during the games and uh, co-hosts the Knicks Mail.Bag podcast with me. Zach, before I get into our title sponsor, how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me for this game, Alex, because this is a good one. This is a hell of a one to start with, right? You're very welcome. You can pay me for this privilege, I tell you what. (laughs) Uh, And I just wanted to remind everybody, this episode of Locked on Knicks is brought to you. McDonald's proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Zach, what a, I've already told the fine people my go-to menu item at McDonald's is a sausage, egg, and cheese McMuffin. What is your go-to McDonald's item? Going for breakfast, I see. Honestly, got to keep it a classic Big Mac. The sauce is, it's always hits the spot. That's it. I always find Big Macs to have a little too much bread. I'm more of a quarter pounder guy myself, but I respect the choice. Classic. You you know, you're a classic type of guy. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) enough about sandwiches, breakfast, lunch, dinner, or otherwise. We are going to talk about the Knicks and the Celtics. The Knicks beat the Celtics 138 to 134, double overtime, because they have no respect for our mental or physical health. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they decided to go two overtimes on game one. Uh, Julius Randle, as you could probably, if you're listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, I should say, you can see our cool little status bar at the bottom. So check out YouTube if you haven't already. But 35 points, nine assists, eight rebounds, three blocks in this first game. 12 of 27 shooting, three of eight from three, eight of eight clutch, clutch free throws in this game. Evan Fournier, 32 points on 6 of 13 from 3, 13 to 25 overall. Six rebounds, three assists, four steals, one block. Stuffed the stat sheet. R.J. Barrett, 
19 points, 6 of 11 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 blocks. All those 19 points came in the second half for R.J. Barrett. Heck of an effort for him in the second half. Zach, there's so much to talk about. Obviously, I, I just listed off all the players, but in terms of this grand scheme game, where should we start as far as what the hell just happened? You know, Alex, I was struggling with the same thing myself. There are periods of time in, in like five-minute chunks where we would get a commercial break and I would think back to what just happened and would have no idea how to summarize it at all. So I, I really don't know where to begin. It is is the best starting point Fournier for, for both good and bad reasons? Yeah, I mean, obviously, so the game wouldn't have even hit one overtime <laughs> if not for... First off, the, the baffling decision... Well, all right, it's on brand for Tibbs, but... Kind of baffling decision to not foul when you're up three points with just a few seconds left on the clock at the end of regulation. Yeah, you should just foul there. I mean, it's like I don't know. It's I'm trying to think of like another sport analogy, like where that sort of annoying crap happens or doesn't happen sometimes. It's almost like icing the kicker or something. Like you know, it's just one of those things where it's like it's kind of commonly accepted that you want to generally just foul there and make them hit the two free throws. And then also, you know, make you make free throws again, but burn some more seconds off the clock. I mean, it's just kind of conventional wisdom at that point. They don't do that. Fournier inexplicably doubles. And then the ball finds its way to Marcus Smart on the other end of the court, who drains a three to send things to overtime. Not great. Not the best moment ever. But then in both overtimes, more specifically the first one, mm -hmm. Evan Fournier, I, I lost count. Did he hit three or four? Between he hit three overtimes? in a row. Yeah, he had in three threes overtime. in a row yeah. to start to start the the first overtime, which was just insane. And on top of that, like, I mean, we got to shout out Jalen Brown real quick, who had the game, literally the game of his life, set a new career high, 46 points, 16 of 30 shooting, 8 of 14 from three. And I mean, Jalen Brown was going insane this whole game. And, and that that beat, was that that was at the end of regulation, right? Where he hit it from the logo with that. I mean, that was I was like, just let him shoot that. Please let mm -hmm. him shoot that. I'm happy he's taking that shot. It was. He hit like it was like a 40 footer. I mean, it was insane. And, and and you know, I think I think at that point they like someone on the call, I don't know, I forget if it was it was probably Mark Jackson, that stupid dumb dumb, was like, What are you what are you doing? Leave it. It's like, what are you talking about? Why would you not <laughs> I leave him? I don't care how high he is. You, you let him shoot from 40 feet away if that's what he's gonna choose to do. And he did. Uh <laughs> It was, I mean, that was crazy stuff, man. I mean, this, this whole game was just like on drugs. It was, oh, yeah. I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, the, I, I guess we should start, let's try starting more towards the beginning, right? Because we just went over the end a little bit. Obviously, at the end, we have, you know, really clutch shot making for Fournier in the first overtime. Julius Randle just takes it into his own hands and wins the game late in this one. Um, gets a, a really key and one. He makes some clutch free throws down the stretch. I mean, he, he was fantastic. And quite frankly, at points in this game, it was just like he was unguardable, more or less. Like they just, yeah. they were trying to guard him, but he was just too strong, too fast, too good at shooting, too everything for the Celtics in this game, by and large. Um, but let's start like more towards the beginning. So this game starts off, and like the Knicks go on a little mini run to start. And then how did you feel about the defense? Like I know that Tibbs was pretty pissed at some moments. I didn't think it was great that, you know, they did opt to go for. Jericho Sims going in there first mm -hmm. uh, to spell Mitch because Taj, congrats to Taj, had just had a baby yesterday, apparently. Um, Noel is still hurt. So the big man rotation still 
very shorthanded. Shout out to Mitchell Robinson, who I'm sure we'll get to in a minute, who is, I thought was just amazing in this game, uh, especially considering if this is like 70% of Mitch, the league is completely screwed this year. Um, but like, you know, so they, they, they have Sims out there and he's obviously had his issues defending the ball and everything. And I don't know. How did you feel about the defense? You're, you're much better at, at watching the game from like an X's and O's perspective than you I know, am. So what was your thought? I, I I didn't think it was as bad as the results seemed to indicate, which is something that always happens in basketball. It's part of the fun of it, right, where where you're getting shelled. But really, if you're looking at it from a, a macro perspective, it's really not all that bad. The defense wasn't good. Uh, I felt there were a lot of miscommunications primarily and, and things where guys just really weren't on the same page uh, more than anything. Plus, the Celtics were shooting red hot. So we saw after, I mean, was it was it the end of the first quarter? Where, where they were really coming out, uh, once they started to cool down, especially Jalen, because he really – it was right out the gate where he was lighting it up. And obviously he had moments later, but he was seriously going off in the beginning with an, a ton of incredibly difficult shots. And some of these you just got to live with. And, and this is the thing. Like, you live with it with Jalen, right? And meanwhile, Tatum's taking difficult shots and missing them. And, and this is what happens. You get one guy and, and you defend the other. And – you know, some of it is just variance. And I thought the Knicks did a not a great job, but they were okay. And that really turned itself around as the game went on. Yeah, I, I kind of felt the same thing. I mean, it was just like difficult shot making, you know, and there's not too much you can do against that always. You know, you can do your best, but Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are just really great scorers. I mean, there's I don't, I don't think I did. I heard someone on the ESPN broadcast prior to the game say that those two were the two best players on the floor. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. Like, I think Julius Randle has something to say about that. But, you know, you could argue they probably had two of the top three guys on the floor tonight. And, you know, so those those two guys have fantastic scoring prowess. And sometimes there's just not anything you can do about it. You know, it is it is what it is. Like, you know, you, you do what you can. And, and if the guys burn you a little bit, you kind of just do exactly what the Knicks did, which is continue playing your game and then eventually wait for that that guy to cool off a little bit in the second half. Uh, which is exactly what happened. And that was what allowed them to kind of go on their run there and and make their comeback that they did after being down. I think did they did they get down double digits in the first half? Oh I yeah, forget. yeah, yeah. It was like twelve yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. So I mean, you know, you just you do what you can with that and uh and just let your game plan, you know, sort itself out as the game goes on. Exactly. And I think they did a good job. But there was a what a really, really interesting wrinkle in this game, which was the Knicks going small again and to great effect. And so I want to talk about that in our next segment here in a second. But first, I do want to remind everybody this episode of Locked on Knicks is brought to you McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. And it's the place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. I, I'll tell you what, that one resonates with me, that that rest your legs and refuel. Uh, I was I took a trip up to Lake George over the summer, partied a little too hard on the last night. And I don't know why I did that. But then my friends and I were driving back the next day, and we were dead tired. And you know what really kind of picked us back up? was well at least in my case it was like a 10 piece mcnugget uh a mcdouble and a mcdonald's coke that that was the the lifeblood i needed 
about three hours into that six hour drive home. So if you're ever in need, stop it. I don't remember what rest stop it was, but the one rest stop McDonald's that had a couple other things in it was pretty solid. Had some nice picnic tables outside. Go hit that up off of, uh, I think it was uh, 87. But anyway, head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say locked on Nick's watch party at McDonald's? Maybe. We'll see. Anyway, this is the point where I get to choose if I'm going to sing the I'm loving it jingle. Zach, do you want to try doing the bada ba ba ba? I'm loving it real quick. I don't, Alex. I actually want to see you do it. I'm, I'm really right, looking forward to it. <laughs> ba 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 I'm loving it. All right. That was okay. Hey, Justin Timberlake, right. eat your heart out. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. Moving to our next segment here, uh, I want to talk about the going small thing. Um, now a trend officially, two games of going small. So we can call this a trend now. Uh, we have Obi Toppin out there late in the game with Julius Randle. And it in the first half, they tried it for a minute and it didn't look great. And, you, you know, you were like, all right, fine. You know, this kind of crashed down there. But thanks to the fact that you still have Mitchell Robinson, who this is still only, this is only a second game that he's played in, in six months or more. And you have Jericho Sims as your only other like true center option off the bench. And he's just not ready for this level yet. Um, You end up then with this choice of, all right, well, do we go back to this Julius Randle and Obi Toppin arrangement? And the Knicks said, sure. You know what? Tibbs was like, all right. Yeah. I, I've seen the potential of this, so let's go back to it. And so they did. And, I mean, I loved it. They, they were running, 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 and that was exactly what they needed to do. And Obi, I thought, did a credible enough job, along with Randall, who, I mean, Randall's no rim protector, but, I mean, Randall ended, I think I cited it at the top of the show, with, uh, what was it, three blocks at the three end blocks, of this I one? Think. Three blocks, yeah. I mean, he had, a, he had three blocks in this game, and they were not cheap. I mean, they were – he was – doing his best to kind of patrol the inside. And so I think that maybe, maybe much like, you know, we've been drawing comparisons 12, 13, uh, you know, this whole off season, maybe much like 12, 13 tips has kind of stumbled into a good thing here. Yeah. And hopefully it's not something he throws by the wayside. I mean, what's your, what's your opinion so far on the, 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 uh, I, I was OB thinking the exact same thing earlier yeah. uh, with Mel at the four. That's a great comparison. Um, I, Number one, I do want to give a lot of credit to Tibbs because he really did. You're right. He threw it. It, it didn't really work out the gate. He gave it another shot. Um, in addition to that, quickly came out and wasn't looking good tonight. And he pulled him in the second half. And, and I, you know, I love quickly as much as the next guy, but these are two great decisions. And specifically for the small ball, I'm not sure this is something that's going to work every night. But this is what good teams do. They have multiple looks that they can throw at an opponent. The Celtics don't really have a guy who can get to the rim, who can make you pay uh, on the level of, like, I, I don't know, think of Trey Young or anyone of these point guards who are just getting in the paint, causing havoc constantly. They don't have a guy like that. Uh, Jalen was doing a decent job, but it was more so him hitting these ridiculous shots and getting to the rim. So you can really get away with it against them. And they weren't getting punished on the glass either. That's the other part of this where you, you would expect some kind of downside. So they were able to really take advantage completely with, uh, with with that small ball lineup. And I thought it was obvious how well this worked in transition. I mean, you immediately see Obi getting out there and just beating everyone down the floor because no four can keep up with him is the reality of it. And on the other, on the other uh, side of the spectrum, 
even when Julius was posting up in those lineups, you could see there was it, it was pretty well spaced. Like, even though Obi was not hitting threes and hasn't historically been a great three-point shooter, he's getting respected. He's kind of getting that Marcus Smart thing where people like think that because he's so willing to shoot, he must be good at it, and therefore we have to guard him. So it creates this great dynamic on offense that I really liked. Yeah, I agree. I was actually going to just mention, you know, Obi's three-point shooting. He was 0-3, but it didn't feel that way. You know, it, it, he was he was doing his job out there, which was to keep the floor spaced, and he does get the respect, rightly or wrongly. It is kind of weird. Like, that's a good comparison to say Marcus Smart, because Marcus Smart, he's gotten better in the last, like, year or so, but or, like, two years maybe. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he used to be, like, a 30% three-point shooter, but people would close on him like he was, like, Reggie Miller. It's exactly. like I don't I don't understand. Um, so yeah, I mean, if Obi can start generating that kind of effect, then awesome. Like I would love if he was, uh, you know, more uh, if he was a dependable option out there to space the floor and and keep things open, even if he's not hitting shots, because then you know suddenly this small ball thing makes a ton of sense, and I think it's something that that the Knicks can go back to consistently. Um, I do worry based off of the the money that they just handed out to Noel and even the Taj to a degree and also just how much Tibbs loved them last year and loved having one of those guys plus Mitch out or you know one of those three out there at any given time that this is essentially just going to get thrown out the window the second that there's some semblance of health in the center rotation but I mean even if this is just something that the Knicks start practicing and practice a little more and just kind of keeping their back pocket for a rainy day if it's not an everyday occurrence, you know, but it's one of those things that you're at least versed in. So they don't come out there and they're like looking like they don't know what they're doing, you know, playing together in that situation. Then this could be a really great weapon for the Knicks to have just this yeah. like little like nuclear option to throw out there. Exactly. You know? Lineup versatility is such a huge thing, especially when the season gets later and hopefully into the playoffs where this is a look that you can throw out there and you know it's it's work. There's reason to believe it can work. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this again, but you you would. There's a chance you're right. We're, we don't, but we'll see. It's a good thing at minimum, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, we've we've done some service to Julius Randall so far and to his effort. Uh, but I want to talk for a sec about Evan Fournier and just how much he brought to this game. I mean, I I won't even say too much about it. I'll give his stats again. Uh, which again, you can see on YouTube. If you're watching YouTube, I have like, we look official as hell. This looks like ESPN <laughs> or something over here. But I've got 48 stats on the bottom on the YouTube channel. But if you're listening just in your earbuds or in your car stereo or whatever, uh, Evan Fournier, 32 points, six rebounds, three assists, four steals, one block, 13 to 25 shooting, six of 13 from three. Um, Zach, do you think there's a single person out there anymore who is still thinking, Oh, uh, they might miss Reggie Bullock this year. And Evan Fournier <laughs> might not be that big of an upgrade. And the defense is going to be really big drop-off. Do you think there are any people still you know, like tuning that horn at this point? Yes, but they're not saying anything. They're dead <laughs> quiet. They're going to come out next week when Fournier has an off-shooting night and uh, things go a little different. But, man, it, it is hard to make that argument right now. What What's Reggie Bullock's career high? Like 23 or something? It has to be like something like that. I mean, he had a couple. La- Did he set it last year? It, almost point? definitely. It, he came okay. close at least that one of those times when he hit like seven threes or whatever. Right. I think he. I think he maybe had twenty five a couple times last year. It's, it's got to be somewhere in like the twenty five. But th- this is just different. This is a different level of shooting. It's a different kind of shooting. It, it's a different dynamic. He's got so much more juice off the dribble. 
mm-hmm. and, and so much variety to his game. And, you know, the thing that I found most encouraging is you can see even within this game how him and Julius still don't really have that chemistry. And we saw the same thing with Reggie last year. You remember in, like, the beginning of the season where they were sort of feeling each other out and they in these DHOs, they didn't have that instinct of when to cut and when to fade off each other. And you could see it was sort of disjointed. And as the season went on, around the midway point, Reggie took off and Julius's numbers took off because they they sort of figured that out. And you can see that same exact thing happening right now, and it's already it's already working well, right? But it's going to get better, is what I'm trying to say. I think it, there's plenty of room to grow here. Yeah, it's really crazy that like we it feels like we haven't even come close to seeing what the best version of those two working together could be because they've literally only played together a few games, you know. Because remember, like Julius missed one preseason game too, so they missed out on a little bit of time to get to know each other in that way. And yeah, once they get all that timing down, I mean, they're going to be like unstoppable. That's going to be like, I mean, it's, it's going to be like the, the uh, Julius and, and Reggie combo last year and how deadly that was, but like on speed, because yeah. I mean, Fournier can just do so much more and it was on display in this game. You know, he was able to put it on the floor a number of times. And like, I mean, his, his first step and his, his burst, off the dribble is just really, really good, like from a standstill. And he had so many times where, I mean, I'm sure the Celtics know it plenty well because they played with him last year. But, I mean, he would be standing on the perimeter and he wouldn't even really be doing that much. Like he would just have a one-on-one matchup and he would just throw like a couple little head fakes, couple little, you know, jabs here and there. Not even a full jab step, just kind of like a quick head fake, quick little jerk. And he was getting guys to like almost leave their feet just with that because they're so afraid of anything that he can do with the ball in his hands. Like they're afraid of him shooting it right there. They're afraid of him putting it on the floor and dribbling. They're afraid of him, you know, pulling up in mid range or something. They're afraid of a quick little crossover to, to drop them, you know, when they think that he's going to go all the way to the hoop. So there's just so many options with him that weren't there with Bullock. And, and it was really on full display in this game. And clearly, I mean, as was evidenced by him literally carrying the Knicks through that first overtime on his back, like, you don't have to worry about any sort of shooting drop-off from 40% shooter Reggie Bullock last year because I think that Fournier is going to have a real case for 40% himself this year. And the defense was great in this game. I mean, he made some really key plays. He had a key block of all things at one point in this game um, that started a a great transition run for the Knicks. I think that was the one that ended in one of the RJ dunks. Um, But just so so much. Yeah, that that was his one block. But then also four steals on top of it. I mean, he was all over the place in this game. And you know, it was funny after, after the game was over, uh, Julius uh, got the first post game interview and he was like, man, I'm so tired. I can't wait to go back to my bed, blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, you know, Fournier was like, cool as a cucumber. Just like, yeah, I'm good. I mean, Oh my God, just- <laughs> dude, that, uh, I forget which three, this is what I mean when, when it all, it all blends together at a certain point on oh, one of the, I could not believe, how chill he was like he was it was like practice and it was it was the it was one of the bigger shots in the game it must have been at the end of the fourth or we're into the first overtime where it was a dho with randall they went under for i mean i don't know how many times he has to hit can of three in your face before you go over on him but uh they go under and it wasn't even like you know sometimes these guys like hesitate for a second like oh do i really want to take the shot like do i really want this right now he just nope. pulled immediately like it was the first quarter it was just practice whatever this yeah. guy was just whoop canned it nothing yeah it's it's incredible no reservations with him you know my guess zach might be that evan fournier might be using calm uh in his life 
What is Calm, you might ask? Calm is one of our sponsors of this episode. And, you know, do you want to know what makes LeBron James King James? And I, I can't confirm this, but maybe Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier. Sleep. That's right. Sleep is his superpower. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you activate the power of sleep. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, but you don't have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, reduce your stress, and perform at your best, just like King James. For LeBron, sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness routine. As he says, quote, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. From the sound of rain falling on leaves to bedtime sleep stories, Calm puts me to sleep within minutes, which means I can wake up ready for any challenge. So if you head to calm.com slash locked on NBA for a limited time, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium subscription. With Calm, you can access, you can get access to the nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain or leaves, and so much more, like sleep stories and meditations, so you can be ready for any challenge that life throws your way. Again, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm and get a 40% discount on a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on MBA. That's calm.com slash locked on MBA. And the other thing, man, I'm rolling. The other thing that Evan Fournier was not doing in this game was sweating a damn thing. And that is because, well, okay, again, I can't confirm, but I can maybe speculate that he was using sweat block wipes. They've been one of my favorite things. I've told you all how sweaty of a person I am. Zach, you look like a man who's had a good sweat in his life. It's true. I've literally seen it in person, so I know it's the <laughs> truth. Uh, and Sweat Block might be a great product for you, too, just like it was for me. You dab it on your underarms before you go to sleep and then wash off the excess in the morning. And voila, you are guaranteed to have a dry shirt for seven days. That's Sweat Block's dry shirt guarantee. Don't just uh, Don't just listen to me, though. It seems like... Some friends of Locked On who have tried sweat, sweat Block love it as well. For example, we have a story about a high school teacher. When he pit out by the fourth period, he'd hear the snickers and whispers from his students. So he started bringing a second shirt to change into between classes. I can certainly relate. I brought second shirts places as well. Then he heard about Sweat Block on our program. He tried it, and now he's hooked. No more snickers. No more second shirt. Fantastic. There you go. Locked On listeners love Sweat Block. I love sweat block. Zach will probably love sweat block if he tries it. Stop excessive sweat for up to seven days per use. Sweat block is doctor created and doctor recommended. And again, comes with that dry shirt guarantee. And it's not just meant for your armpits. You can use it on your chest, back, feet, hands, or, you know, anywhere. <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, so you can use it wherever it is that you happen to be sweating. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. All right, Zach, to continue on with talking about this game, uh, let's see, home stretch time. How about R.J. Barrett and yes. the second half that he put together? I mean, I was blown away. I thought he had – I mean, we talked – you already talked about it. I feel like I don't have to add too much. Quickly had a bad half. You know, he eight minutes, he was bad. He was just – there's no other way to put it. He was – it wasn't just that he was missing shots. He was just playing like crap. Right. Um, and R.J. in the first half – not quite to that level, but I mean, he was not playing great in the first half. Let's put it that way. And for one thing, he wasn't making shots. For two, they weren't doing a ton to involve him, which wasn't great yes. either. You know, usually they do more to kind of get him going. 
and then that pays dividends later in the game. Uh, but they didn't really do that in the first half in this game. And he comes out of the first half scoreless. You know, some of the naysayers I saw on Twitter were already like, RJ sucked that half, blah, blah, blah. He's no good. Obviously, he comes out and he's, I mean, he's a damn good player. And he proved it in the second half. And he's always a second half player regardless. Yeah, how, how many times do we have to see this before people learn? <laughs> exactly. So 19 points, 6 of 11 shooting, 3 of 7 from deep, 4 of 6 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks. I mean, he had a fantastic game, I thought, particularly in that second half. He went on, it wasn't actually, but it felt like about a 12-0 solo run in the third quarter. A couple other people scored in between, but I mean, he had, I think it was 12 points total in the in the third quarter. He might have even hit up to 15 or something, but just a phenomenal third quarter where he had a couple transition dunks. He hit some threes. I, I loved how he was positioning himself. I loved how his teammates suddenly started looking for him. That was great. You know, like, oh, go figure. The guy that shot 40% from three last year and outside of like a really bad stretch of like 10 games shot like 45% from three last year. Maybe you want to get him the ball a little bit on the perimeter. And they did. And he made a ton of shots. So what did you think about RJ's outing? That first half, well, the second half, the whole experience. Well, man, it, it was it was interesting because I can see it in the first half. I understand what people are going through um, in the sense that he wasn't getting the looks. He, this is a new offense, right? We just finished talking about Fournier, who's going to take more shots than Bullock. Uh, Kemba's here now. So between those two guys, he's got to find this place. It's a different dynamic than it was last year. And you could see that in the first half. He missed both his free throws, which is frustrating. That was his one opportunity. You, I remember specifically his only shots in the first half were that one heave, and he, he forced up two pull-up threes, which are not his shots. Like once in a while, I, I I'm okay with him taking that, but you could tell it, it wasn't it wasn't a shot he was looking for. And finally, in that third quarter, things started to open up a little bit, largely thanks to Julius and and defense, which is how these things should go. You want to get your guys going with some easier looks. That's exactly what happened. Uh, so you know this is an ebb and flow. It's going to happen. R.J. Barrett is not an All Star yet. So you can't come out here and expect him to drop 22 points a game yet. I mean, we'll see, TBD. But more importantly, Alex, I think is clearly the defense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I mean, the defense was amazing. I it, he had he had the, the I mean the 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 possession that that most made me clench up was was it was at the end of regulation or no? I think that was the because end of regulation was the was the smart make. I think yeah. it was the end of overtime one. The Celtics get the final possession with like 17 seconds. Jason Tatum brings it down solo. Yeah. It was, it was never going to be anybody else. Mm -hmm. And RJ takes him one-on-one. -on -one. The Knicks had a foul to give, but I mean, I think that Tibbs probably gave the directive to RJ, like, use it if you want, but if you think you got him, just just hold him because we'd rather not give them another, you know, another stoppage of play and an opportunity to run an inbounds play. So, you know, if you think you got him, go for it. And clearly, RJ thought he had him, and he did. I mean, he I, Tatum made his move. He made his crossover, and I sat there like, oh, like, like teeth clenched, like, oh god, here it comes. When? How many years ago was it that Tatum hit that game winner against the Knicks? Was that literally Wasn't last that, year? Uh, was that RJ's rookie year? Was that RJ's? Wasn't that that might have been RJ's RJ? rookie year. It might have been. It might have been. Oh man, if that was over RJ, I gotta look I, that up. I think it was. I'm not 100 percent sure. That would be some awesome poetic justice in this sure. game because then RJ, you know, sticks with him. And 
I defended it beautifully. And I mean, Tatum was obviously having kind of an off night, but that possession completely belonged to RJ's defense. I mean, that was just, it was picture perfect. That was him doing exactly what he proclaimed he was going to do, which is become the new, like go to one-on-one defender for this team. And he did perfectly. I mean, uh, you know, Tatum ends up, I think he airballed it over the hoop, you know, from the, from the right baseline. It was just like picture, picture, perfect defense. He made him adjust so much that he, he put way too much on the shot. And, you know, ultimately that was among many of them, a game winning play for the Knicks in this, because in plenty of other scenarios, we've seen Jason Tatum make game winning shots. So, yeah, you know, he stopped that from happening. And people are going to understandably point out that Tatum missed a lot of open shots, which is true. But one of the things that comes with playing this level of defense is that you don't let guys get in a rhythm. So when they get those open shots, it's not like it is when you're red hot. Basketball is a, a mental game just as much as it is a physical game. These guys are hitting these shots all day in practice. In empty gym, any of these shots are a joke for them. You, the defender is the one who's tasked with making them uncomfortable, even if it looks – like he got the shot off, and sometimes they do. RJ is not making it easy. He's, he's tiring him out. And and when those open shots do come, they're less likely to fall because of the work RJ puts in, and he did a great job. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so props to RJ. Also, he and, he and Randall and Fournier all doing uh, a good work as far as getting themselves into uh, the conversation for minutes leaders this year. 47 minutes for RJ, 46 for Randall, 44 for Fournier. Um, I want to talk real quick too about Mitchell Robinson and I touched on him earlier, but I was just so impressed by him in this game. Uh, 11 points, 17 rebounds, three assists, two blocks and five of five shooting. So speaking of guys that are well on their way, he's well on his way to maybe breaking his field goal percentage record again. But I, I just, I can't believe I mean, even compared to that first preseason or the the last preseason game, his first game, I cannot believe how good he looks right now with how allegedly out of shape he is. And I mean, it's not even alleged. Like you could see he's still <laughs> he's still huffing. Yeah. But I mean, he found the right gear late in this game. You yeah. know, I mean, he he found that sort of like he found his wind halfway through, you know, in the first half, he was looking a little gassed sometimes and even a little bit start second half. But like the 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 uh momentum the the adrenaline of it all clearly like took him over and and he came through and he had to the other really important thing is in 34 minutes he had two fouls wow. two fouls in 34 <laughs> oh minutes my god and that was mostly because the celtics were terrified of him i mean they wanted nothing to do with being within five feet of him and it, it's so apparent now that like his rep has finally reached like I don't, maybe it somehow hasn't reached its apex yet, but I mean, the league knows about him at this point, and they know do not go anywhere within ten feet of Mitchell Robinson on the inside, and that that really helped the Knicks at a lot of different points in this game. I think like it it basically cut off the rim for the Celtics for large parts of it, and I think that had a lot to do with the fact of like when you're waiting out for that hot shooting to die, eventually it does. And then all of a sudden they don't have the easy option at that point. They don't have the option of getting inside as long as Mitchell Robinson is there. And like once he's got his win fully back and you can start consistently, hopefully counting on him for like 30 minutes a game, I think they're going to be so golden this year with the interior defense. I mean, he looks 
it's crazy to say because he looks so good last year when he wasn't hurt, but I think he looks the best he's ever looked based off this one. It's extremely small sample, but you know, the vertical ability needs to still make its comeback a little bit. His, his lob catching and that sort of thing, but his just like pure power that he plays with now. And like the fear that he strikes into opponents has literally never been better. And I, he earned every one of those 17 rebounds. I mean, he's just like, He's huge now. He's basically the size of Joel Embiid at this point. And I, I like how you put that too, because he does play with power, which is which is not what you would really think. As I mean, we've watched him like grow up and fill out. He was this lanky guy who could jump really high. It was super mobile, and maybe that mobility is being lost a little bit. But man, he is a handful. These guys cannot handle him. Um, and I, I think that really bears itself out, like you said, on on the glass where. It's just a, it's happening a couple times per game at this point where a shot goes up and it's a brick and Mitch just grabs it and dunks it. I think he had two or three. And and these are huge, huge possessions. You're turning a missed shot into two points. Uh and, and dead ball, you get to set your defense. It's it's incredible. Um, I, I think that's obviously huge. For as much as Nerlens does, he does not rebound and he can't finish like that. So it creates a new dimension to the offense that you can't really account for. We saw a couple times where guys, smaller guys would get switched onto him and he would punish them in one way or another, whether that's on the glass or that time he backed down smart, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, just, a, just a bunch of stuff like that. Um, I, I think the cool thing about him on defense is that he's, his timing is still a little bit off where he's rotating a little bit late or maybe it, it might not even be his timing so much as just his him being in shape, like you said. Uh, and probably a little bit of both, honestly, but you can see that towards the end of the game, he had a nice block on Smart, where finally that instinct, which we've seen him have, this isn't this isn't a thing where you're saying, oh, maybe he could get there. He's been there already. He's just getting back in the rhythm because he hasn't played in such a long time. And you could see in a lot of times, you know, he's rotating over on shots where he has no chance of blocking them, and it leaves the guy behind to grab the rebound. And it was cleaning, it was getting cleaned up over the course of the game, where then. His blocks are blocks or actual shot contests. And as the year goes on, he's going to settle in even more and then start to improve even more. So I can't wait to see what he does from here. Yeah, you and me both, dude. And uh, we're starting to run a little short on time at this point. So we haven't done a couple guys' service yet. So here's what I'm doing. I'm going to play a quick game. I will say a name of a guy. You give me like one quick rapid-fire hot take Mm -hmm. for these guys. Pretend this is an episode of the Strickland Mailbag. And we're in the rapid fire segment at the end. Okay, ready? Okay. So Obi Toppin, give me a quick take on him based off this game. Dynamic. Love this guy. Yeah, that's fantastic. I couldn't agree more. Derek Rose, tell me something about him. Clutch. Time. Clutch as hell. Yeah. Made an awesome layup. Oh after my having, God. Thank you, after, Derek. Yes. Like like the game, basically the game winner at that point, or yeah. very close to it. Uh Kemba Walker. Unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> it was it was a little rough for him. It yeah. was a little rough. Uh, and I guess the last guy we literally haven't mentioned at all, Alec Burks. Yeah, he didn't really do much, did he? He just existed. Yeah. <laughs> he was fine. He didn't do anything wrong. Was... He existed. He existed. Yeah, all right, there we go. <laughs> he showed up. Now we've covered all the players on the Knicks. So we, we've had the most comprehensive episode one of the new season that we possibly could have. Zach, why don't you tell everybody real quick where to find you online, and uh, then we will sign off on this fantastic first win for the Knicks. 
you can find me at ZJ Deluzio, D-I-L-U-Z-I-O, all one word. Uh, I'll hopefully be tweeting out some Twitter threads eventually. Now a lot of people do them. So you could find this uh, at a lot of different places, but hopefully you could stop by and see that from me. And otherwise, I'm at the Strickland with Alex. Yeah, buddy. All right. So uh, that's it for this first regular season episode of Locked on Knicks. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We will be back. Uh, I think we're going to take Friday off during the day and then be back for an episode on Saturday because we've put out already like five episodes this week. So we're we're as run ragged as Julius Randle at this point. So we're going to take one day off uh, and, and then come back to you guys on Saturday with a game recap for the Magic game. But until then... Peace out, everybody. Talk to you all soon. And thank you for listening, be it in your earphones or on YouTube. And if you haven't already, check out YouTube and even just drop us a subscribe. Even if you don't plan on watching it, it helps us out a lot and uh, makes us feel really warm and fuzzy on the inside. So thanks for listening. Talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody.